Hello and welcome to It's a Musical Podcast, the podcast show where I force my fiancé to watch the musicals he really should have seen by now and then we talk about them. I am the fiancé. And I'm Drew. Happy New Year! Yeah, we did it. We did it. This is the end of our third year podcasting. Third year podcasting. Third Christmas. Second full year. Second full year. Yes, so we are back with another year in review. Yeah. For what has been a very long year. Mm Mm-hmm. (laughs) <laughs> a very long year I can't wait for 2023 mm-hmm. so a uh, little bit of interesting statistics before we uh, start this one off love a statistic 40% of the episodes we've done this year have been live theatre hmm. which is phenomenal you know very nearly half and half yeah and with that it's also been quite difficult to think about a top 10. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> because we've seen so much amazing live theatre, which in previous years of the podcast, due to the pandemic, we hadn't. Yeah. You know, it was July of 2021 that we had like our first live episode of the year, and that was Bad Cinderella. Mm. So that's a massive increase for us. So we've obviously decided we're going to have a top 15. Yeah. Well, so the the five extra on there are like special mentions. Yeah, we're not going to talk in depth These about them. These were good. Yeah. I actually asked you earlier what your 16th was. What didn't make it onto the list at all? Yeah. And I, for me, I mean, I guess spoiler alert, it was Friends, the musical parody was my 16th. Yeah. Mine was The Share Show. Two live theatres. Mm-hmm. Both a lot of fun. Both but... really good. You gave the share show four stars. I think I agreed with that. Yeah. Well, this is what else is interesting. 36% of our shows this year mm-hmm. have been five star shows. That's six... I feel like that's lower than what I thought. 16 out of 44. Wow. I've given five stars to. I've only had... The lowest rating I've given this year has been two stars, and that was to two films. Dumbo. Yep. And Holiday Inn. Yes. Quite a few four stars. I think the next lowest is a three star, which I gave to Dreamgirls, and Alice in Wonderland, the Disney film. And Teen Beach movie. And Teen Beach movie, yes. <laughs> As Laurie has been quite up uh, angry at me for. Mm-hmm. A few three and a halfs. A lot of fours. Yep. But yeah, that's not bad. I'd say 36% of shows being five-star shows. That's that's pretty good. Yeah, so we are counting down our top ten yes. for the year. I'm really excited. And I don't just say this in terms of like we're on a podcast and we're, we're performing for you. I genuinely have no idea what your shows are. No, we didn't talk about it beforehand. And I only managed to actually crack it down to 15 and then order them today i've had mine there for about a week yeah and i've kind of kept it the same but i do think famous last words now i think we will have the same top six but in maybe a different order i'm gonna be so interested to see if that's the case i but i'm really excited because i want to know what your top ones were Mm -hmm. i'm also intrigued because i wonder if you're going to surprise me and if i'm going to surprise you i think we will I'm sure we will. 
what I also like is this is possibly like the easiest thing in terms of our recording calendar because we're just talking musicals. Yeah, we just get to chat. There's no analysis. This is and, and kind of what we're doing with you guys now is we're sharing the conversations that we have in the car when we're driving places. Mm-hmm. This is just like a genuine conversation between the pair of us. Yeah. Which makes me happy. And also we have some great uh, contributions from listeners, which, you know. It's so nice. It's so nice. And I'm intrigued to see what you think of their thoughts. Because mm-hmm. there's a few shows that crop up time and time again with the listeners as well. That's cool. And I, I would be surprised if the shows that they talk about aren't on your list. Yeah, I haven't listened to anything that anyone is going to say. because because no, I'm in charge of it. You're in charge of it. So <laughs> it's like the one where you actually get to be in charge of what this episode's about. That's the thing. And I've listened to them purely so that I have an idea of where's appropriate to put their contribution. Doesn't work for everyone because we've got a lot of people kind of sharing the same show. Mm-hmm. It's cool, though. It's very cool, though. So uh, do you want to give me your 15 to 11s? You want me to just count them down? Yeah, so just 15, 14, 13, 12, 11. Well, just give me those those five quick fire ones. Okay, 15 is the 2019 movie version of Cats. Okay. 14. Cats ranked quite high for you last year as best musicals. That's the stage show. It's different. What's so different? I love the film. I think it's hilarious. It's not good. <laughs> like, I, I enjoy it. I knew that the film would, would it be included on your list somehow, but I thought it'd be higher. Okay. 14 is Phantom of the Paradise. Okay. Notable mention. Notable mention. I love Phantom of the Paradise. Another one where I'm like, what is happening? You are this the one. Scary. I gave that three and a half stars. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. It was good. And we obviously had, uh, is it Paul Williams? Yeah. Yeah. We had him with the Muppets Christmas Carol recently. Mm-hmm. 13 is going to be a controversial one, I'm sure. Okay. But it's the Amazon Cinderella. Cinderella. Now, I knew that would be on your list somehow. I actually thought it'd be higher because the amount we've listened to the soundtrack. My top 100 Spotify thing. Has so much. Has so much from that. And specifically the Adina Menzel cover of Material Girl is in my top five. so. So good. Yep. And I would say that's probably the second best Cinderella we've watched this year after the Woking pantomime. Definitely. Mm-hmm. What number was that? 13. 12. Anyone can whistle live. Oh, that was so good, wasn't it? It was so good. It had such a diverse cast. It's nice to see classic musical theatre done in a modern way. Yes. And that's one of our lost episodes because of my injury at the time, which uh-huh. we just weren't able to record. Um, the Southwark Playhouse, anyone can whistle. I really liked seeing something in the Traverse configuration because it's been a while. Yeah, same. And it was a really good show Mm -hmm. and phenomenal casting as well. Yeah. Okay, so the final one for your honourable mentions, number 11. My son's a queer, but what can you do? Okay. You thought that was going to be higher on my list. I did think that was going to be higher on my list. Yeah, I'm really sorry. We'll talk about that one, I think, in a little bit more detail in a bit. I know that's going to be higher on your list, but there were other shows that took precedence over that one. That's very interesting to me. I thought that would be up there for you. I know. It was very close. It was very close with my 10 and 11. They're sort of interchangeable. So for me, um, continuing the trend of Edinburgh... Yeah. 15th for me is unfortunate. Really? I had a great time watching that one. I thought that would be higher. I had a really fun time watching that one. 
so much laughs. I thought it was very well put together. But I think my top ones... I think you'll see why my top ones are my top ones when we get there. Because I feel like they've got more social commentary. I think when you can... When we get to Unfortunate on my list, you're going to be shocked yeah. at what number it's at. 14 for me was Wizard of Oz. Oh, that I, has not figured on my list at all. So it was one that I was like, it can't not figure on my list because of how important it is as mm. a musical. And I did have a lot of fun watching it for the first time as an adult. That's fair. 13 was Matilda. Really? Oh, I, so, right. I will say now, of our new episodes, yep. so Holiday Inn, Jingle Jangle, Muppets and Matilda, one of them has made it onto the list. The other ones I didn't include because they're so recent. I wanted to like look back over the year. Fair enough. Um, I will say that one of those features in the top 10 for me. But Matilda... Well, it's not Holiday Inn. <laughs> Matilda <laughs> was at 13th for me. Just, you've listened to our episode. You'll know how positive I was about it. Mm-hmm. But also because movie musicals, especially in 2022, mm-hmm. good ones are so far and few between. Yeah. You know, we look last year and we had Wonderful Within the Heights. Yep. And West Side Story. Mm-hmm. But we also had Dear Evan Hansen. And we also, you know, and and I am really optimistic about the state of Wicked because of who's working on it. Mm-hmm. But for me, Matilda just went to show that, you know, alongside other movie musicals we've had this year, that you can still make good movie musicals. Yeah. 12, Thoroughly Modern Millie. No way. Because I really enjoyed that one. That hasn't made it onto my list, but that was like another like 16, 17 show. For me, it was very much the whole like breaking the fourth wall moment. I was just like, what is this film? And I just, you <laughs> yeah. know, like it, it was great. It's a good film. And 11th. And this was one that was so difficult. Mm-hmm. And this is this is one that kind of was up and down, up and down, up and down. Um, Because we've had a lot of musicals this year where I'm finally introduced to the stage version after loving the film. Like, loads of them. Right. And it was very difficult, because I, I loved seeing all of them live. Mm-hmm. I put Chicago at 11th. Ooh. As much as I enjoyed Chicago, again, I do feel there's a few more that I just liked a little bit more. That's fair. But Chicago... And that's this is what I mean by how difficult it was to think about a top 10. Mm-hmm. Chicago was utterly brilliant. And like watching the way it was done, like it was nothing like the film. It was a completely unique stage experience. Yeah. You know, where you have them all like coming out and speaking their bits and you have the orchestra on stage the whole time. It was so unique. But mm-hmm. ultimately, I think there's a few more things I enjoyed this year. That's crazy. Yeah. So uh, before we start going into our top 10, I'm going to go to our first uh, contributor. And that's going to be Dark Victory over on Instagram. Do you remember what show Dark Victory contributed to recently? No. The reason I ask is because that's what they've said is their favourite show we've covered this year. No, what show is it? Bat Out of Hell. 
Oh, yes. So they have said, thank you for including my two cents in your podcast. Just wanted to let you know that this actually was my favourite show you covered. I think I already said what I wanted to say. I grew up to this music. It's melancholic. It's melodramatic. In Germany, we have this literature, Epoche. I'm sorry if I'm saying that wrong. Not a clue. I don't have a good handle on the English language at the best of times. Uh, We have this literature, Epoche, called Sturm und Drang around Goeth's young years, which translates to wild and urge. And it's about being young and putting your voice of reason aside and only listening to your heart. Mm-hmm. The whole show has this Sturm and Drang vibe. Do you think that's where Dungstrom comes from? Yeah, it is. It's where cool. Dungstrom comes from. The whole show has this Sturm and Drang vibe and reminds me a lot of my youth, the feeling of a first love and the pain and drama that comes with it. It's like an abstract piece of the expressionism as a show, portraying what something feels like rather than what actually happened and what it looks like. Mm-hmm. Also wanted you to know that I spent the fourth most time with you on Spotify. So Spotify rap. So thank you. Um, yeah. That's amazing. Bat out of hell. Did it feature on your list? I think I know the answer to this one. It did not feature on my list. I'm sorry. I really liked it. I'd rather watch Feet Pan. Bat out of hell was my 10th. Yeah, I'm not surprised. And it's really difficult, like, distinguishing it between Chicago and that. Mm -hmm. Because I know that objectively, Chicago is a superior musical. Like, objectively. Yeah. There's a reason Chicago has stood the test of time. It is, I mean, it's a Fosse musical. The dance sequences, the songs, just everything about it is wonderful. Mm -hmm. But for me... Bat Out of Hell was so much more than just a musical experience. I loved the songs. The story was crazy. But like the staging of things, like the way we had the Bat Out of Hell sequence where like the crash happens. Mm -hmm. The camera, I thought, added so much to it as a dimension. I adored Paradise by the Dashboard Lights. Yep. I'm really glad that that show is going to come back and have a permanent home in London because I do think I'll go see it again. Mm Mm-hmm. I know why you're not a fan of it. And again, like like you say, you'd rather just watch Peter Pan. I like the Kathy Rigby Peter Pan musical. I would rather watch that. But like I say, for me, this wasn't necessarily just a case of like one thing. It was a lot of different things that just appealed to me very much as a person. Mm-hmm. You know, there aren't really enough rock musicals that I'm I'm aware of. Yeah. Where you have this style of music. And I loved every second of it. You know, there was no point in time where I felt like, huh, I'm bored. Mm-hmm. You know, and I had those joyous moments, like the bit where we're in the theatre and suddenly you have um, Celine Dion. Baby, baby, baby. <laughs> you know, and we're just like... <laughs> well, we were both like, what is happening? Because we, we completely forgot that that was a meatloaf song. Yeah, it was a spectacle. Mm-hmm. And... You know, theatre needs to have that spectacle and diversity. Like, there's a lot of people that went to that show that I don't think are usual musical theatre audiences. Mm. And that's good, you know, especially if younger kids are going with their their parents who wouldn't usually go. Like, that can expose them to the beauty and magic of this world. Yeah. So, I agree with everything you said, but it's still not in my top ten. <laughs> no, that's, that's fine. So what was, uh, what was your top ten? What was your, your, your number ten? My number ten is right from the beginning of this year is tick tick boom okay and it only just made it in i had to shuffle some stuff around 
to get Tick Tick Boom in here. Okay. Mostly because I feel like it's a really important musical. You know, it's the last Stephen Sondheim performance yeah. in anything. Yep. It's just got such good music and also 3090 was just... the opening of our year like yeah. listening to that time mm-hmm. and time again in the car like that is i think fourth on my spotify wrapped mm-hmm. so what was it that kind of had it not rank higher for you because everything else that is higher than it i couldn't lose uh, so it really and it's is... like everything else that is on here has to stay where it is and then it was like nine to 12 i was like these ones i'm like shuffling around so i'll tell you now that tick tick boom is on my list yeah i figure it's going to be higher for you it's sixth on my list is it i just think andrew garfield was utterly brilliant Mm -hmm. and he he was robbed at the oscars like he was robbed he won will smith for i don't know unfortunately that whole thing has kind of been obscured by the slap incident Oh, God, that was this year. That was this year. Oh, my God. Year in review, <laughs> That's people. like a really long time and ago. And Will Smith is now kind of, from what I've seen, he, he's like, well, I know I'm kind of banned from it, but my new film, Emancipation, should still be considered for Oscar stuff. It's like, you, it won't be, and it shouldn't be. And I do definitely feel like if it was... I've not seen his film, so I can't compare. However, an audible should have been made after he slapped Chris Rock... And someone else was given the Oscar. And for me, it was Andrew Garfield. He always should have got it. Mm-hmm. Not just because I, I love Andrew Garfield. He taught himself to sing for this. Well, he didn't teach himself. But you know what, but but yes. you know what I mean? Like he had yeah. to Because he was cast just because he happened to look like... A young... A young Jonathan Larson. Mm-hmm. And he was brilliant in it. And like therapy was great. Vanessa Ann Hudgens was brilliant in it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the best musical Why she's ever been in. Because that? that's what she's billed as in High School Musical. I know she's just Vanessa Hudgens now, <laughs> but she was Vanessa Ann Hudgens through High School Musical. It just like, makes it well. The therapy sequence. I feel better. Like, ah, oh, I just loved it. And then you've got that really that good. awesome Sunday sequence mm-hmm. where like he's conducting and then the wall comes up. And I saw a little thing on Lin-Manuel Miranda's feed, which showed him working backstage on Tick, Tick, Boom. And he had like a proper plan of where everyone was going to be for the camera because yeah. like they were filming in COVID times. Mm-hmm. So Tick, Tick, Boom for me was, was actually sixth um, and is the highest ranking film we've watched this year for you yeah six was the highest ranking film everything above is live yeah kind of cool there are no films in five four three two or one for me tick tick boom is the highest ranking film for me that is also true for me and again it's really difficult because we've seen so many good films this year older films newer films but there's i have two higher ranked films okay so, uh, we're going to go over now to friend of the podcast, Jared Good, who has sent us a lovely audio of his dulcet tones for us to enjoy uh, as he talks about what his favourite musical of the year is. He's asked me to put in a disclaimer that he's not feeling very well at the moment. <laughs> So he has apologised that, you know, he's lacking in his usual energy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm going to, this is the first time you're listening to these audios as well. So I'm going to play these audios for you and then we will talk about his favourite musical and if it's on our list. 
Hey, you two. It is Jared Good from Los Angeles. Long time, no talk. But congratulations on another great year of podcasting. And uh, in terms of the shows that you talked about this year, big props to Goosebumps, the musical, of course, horror musicals. Uh, very exciting to have that out there in existence. Um, you have talked about a whole plethora of wonderful musicals. I do want to share my own personal connection to Muppet Treasure Island, um, being that Muppet Christmas Carol was always a favorite. When Muppet Treasure Island came out, I was a little disappointed by it, but I will admit that it then became a significant part of my life. I used to play open mics where I would sing Love Let Us Hear, and later I worked on Jim Henson's Creature Shop Challenge for uh, sci-fi, and Brian Henson was a judge of that and producer, and so I actually got to um, talk to him at the rap party for the show and tell him how I, in fact, did sing this song from Muppet Treasure Island at open mics, and he seemed um, really um, to enjoy that. And uh, I don't actually know if you can air any of it, but I thought maybe I would attempt to just give you like a preview of that. Um, I don't know how this is going to go because um, my, my throat's a little messed up, but I'm going to do my best. Love let us hear Right back from where we belong We followed a star And here we are Now heaven seems so near Love let us hear Happy holidays. So good. That was brilliant. It's so good. <laughs> There's so much to process about that one before we talk about the film, but how great is his Kermit voice mm -hmm. and the Miss Piggy voice? You know how you used to get those old acts where it'd be like one half of you is like you do the Sunny and Cher and one half of you would be Sunny and you turn around the other half would be Cher? Yeah. Jared, you could do that one half of you being Kermit and the other and half, half of Miss Piggy. <laughs> and I'm amazing that you've met Brian Hansen and worked with him on the jim henson i don't know the show but that that uh jim henson's creature shop challenge that's incredible mm -hmm. like that's absolutely amazing i am very very jealous did you think we'd be talking about the muppet treasure island in this top 10 year in review no <laughs> because it's not in mine and i'm sorry for it it's not although i would like to give a shout out to our friend dave our long-suffering DM. Yep. Especially at my my part there with, with my character. <laughs> Thief carry out. <laughs> Breaking gravity. Like, he's literally alphabet defying gravity. Mm. He said that it was criminal that I'd given Muppets Treasure Island three and a half stars. Now, I don't know if that's criminal that it didn't get higher or criminal... Higher. It should have been higher. Or criminal that it got that much. No, it should have been higher. 
I did like Muppet Treasure Island. I love Muppet Treasure Island. It's so good. But I feel like I can't rank any of the Muppet movies in this category because the Muppet universe is just its own special thing. The thing is, like, I really like this one. And Tim Curry was utterly brilliant in it. And Mm -hmm. some of my more favourite Muppets got a bit more time. It had some weird stuff. It going did have on some in it. very weird stuff to it. Like, but again, like we see straight up murder happening in this one. Yeah, it's one of the like very few Muppet movies to have somebody die. Yeah, I I did enjoy it a lot, but it did not rank for me. What did rank at number nine for me, however, is the Muppets Christmas Carol. Oh, I didn't rank the Muppets Christmas Carol because, like I say, the Muppets have their own little special place in my heart i think the thing is though truthfully i couldn't justify doing a top 10 this year where we have included the muppets christmas carol and not not talk about it and not have it be up there Mm -hmm. because for me the fact that it's a film that i will watch every year and go back to with the same joy and the same wonder Mm -hmm. that has to be a top 10 musical for me yeah the songs are utterly brilliant as we talked to depth last week before Christmas, just the casting of this film as well is, uh, is so good, you know, and the fact that they can still kind of put like a fresh spin and bring the Muppets energy to it. Mm-hmm. I also, this might be controversial, but if this film had flopped, I don't think the Muppets make it past the nineties. This was their second chance, you know, post Jim Henson passing away. Yeah. If this film had utterly flopped, Disney never buy the Muppets. The Muppets never make Treasure Island, uh, Muppets in Space, which, you know, I know it's not the highest you know, quality, but then we never get Jason Segal doing the Muppets because Disney never buys the Muppets. That is true. And say what you will about maybe where the Muppets are now and, you know, Muppets Most Wanted and their office parody... I think they've got a lot to give and mm-hmm. that doesn't happen without Muppets Christmas Carol. Yeah. And for me, you can't, I couldn't put a top 10 list and not include this one. It is unfair. Yes. To all the others. Cause you know, a lot of the others I've only seen for the first time, but I know I love this one. And like, this is one I will love forevermore. Yeah. Number nine for you then. Is it Jingle Jangle? It's not. Jingle Jangle places on your list, though. No, it doesn't. But I thought you said at least one of those four ranked, or did I just misunderstand what you said? You missed one of them, obviously. Holiday Inn isn't going to feature. No. Jingle Jangle. No. No Muppets. No. No Matilda. So it's Matilda. Oh, it's, okay, it's Matilda. Fine, yeah. fair enough. Cool. <laughs> Got you. Okay, right. Yeah, so. so number nine for me is Matilda. This is... Wow, cool. Okay, so similar vein then. <laughs> this has to be on here because, first of all, I literally cried in the cinema, which it takes me a lot to cry in the cinema. Yes. When I'm at home and we're watching films, I cry all the time. In theatres, I cry all the time yeah. because it's real people in front of me. And it's, so it takes a lot to get me to be emotional in a cinema when there are other people around me and I can hear popcorn and, you know, other stuff's happening. But this movie really got me. And even though, if you listened to our episode about Matilda, even though they took out some of my favourite parts, this 
movie is what good movie musicals should be like. Yeah. Yeah, and I'd agree with that. And that's why, I mean, for me, I think Tick, Tick, Boom. Tick, Tick, Boom ranks a little higher simply because a great social commentary, but also has made me want to go back and watch Rent Mm -hmm. because like I really have this appreciation of Jonathan Larson. But again, these two films together give me such hope for what the future of these movie musicals could be and especially adaptations of stage shows definitely you know because matilda doesn't try to make it set very realistic Mm -hmm. it has the fantasy element to it as well which i love and more need to do it yeah you know you can listen to our episode We, we don't go into much detail because spoilers but if you haven't seen it by now you you should go log on to Netflix and watch Matilda. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we're going to now go over to Susie Q, who we were her most listened to on Spotify. Yay. Which very, <laughs> That's so cool. Very, very cool. Sometimes I'm just like, how is that a thing? <laughs> yeah. So she said, I absolutely loved the episode on Teen Beach Movie. I was able to rewatch recently and you guys made excellent points about how toxic Brady is. Can't wait for the Teen Beach yes. Movie 2 podcast. <laughs> Did you think we'd be talking about Teen Beach Movie? It's not on my list, but it so nearly was. It's obviously <laughs> not on my I list. I love Teen Beach Movie. That was a COVID fever dream and a half. I know, you were really ill when we watched that. Yeah. It, I mean, like Laurie says, it's a masterpiece. It is. Know, it's masterpiece cinema. <laughs> Um, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be going into it. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it didn't make it for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think it was even close to my top 20. <laughs> but it's a fun decom, And that's, you know, again, we talk about this high art. Did you like it more or less than Descendants? I gave Descendants a higher rating for Descendants 3 slash 4. Not including 3 and 4. I mean, just generally. Because three had Hades, and I knew you would be obsessed with that. I think I liked Descendants more. Okay. Just because, like, it was it was fun to see like the take on the Disney characters. Mm-hmm. As ridiculous as it was, it was it was kind of fun. Mm-hmm. I, I definitely prefer Teen Beach Movie to the first High School Musical. Controversial. <laughs> but not, I mean, it, it won't come close to High School Musical two. Even though High School Musical 2 got a lower rating, I've rewatched it and, and Troy Bolton is great. We rewatched High School Musical 2 recently because we weren't feeling very well. Yeah. And it's such a good film. <laughs> yeah, and you know, Troy Bolton for the win. Mm-hmm. Number eight. What was your number eight? So, the musical that started this all did not make it for me. No. No, Joseph we... Joseph is not on my list. I knew you were going to think I was talking about Joseph. I'm not. Are you not? No. The musical... We went to see a musical on one of our... What? One of our days. This is that low? Yeah, sorry. We went to see a musical on one of our first dates where I made Danny read the synopsis, the worst synopsis ever, oh my God. in advance of seeing the show. And then afterwards we talked about it and we were like, we should do a podcast. <laughs> It's waitress. I'm shocked that that is. I'm sorry. Eighth. Yeah. This is third for me. I know. Because I love this one so much. Yeah, me too. And we listen to the music all the time. 
I know. And and this is the thing is like going into this year, there's a part of me that was like, I felt really bad that Waitress isn't going to be my number one. But it's just such a brilliant musical. Again, that it can bring you to tears. Mm. God, there must have been other things we saw that you just really loved. And that's the thing. It's not saying that you don't like Waitress. No, but there's other things that... Waitress had to be in my top ten, right? Yeah. And until we get to my top five, these aren't really solidified in their ranking, right? So they could still be shuffled around a little bit. But my top five had to be my top five this year. So. And that's fair. You know, the year we've had, like, absolutely makes sense. Mm -hmm. I just, I mean, we'll talk about Waitress now because it's my number three. I, I love the music. I love the plot to it. It has so many different male characters that I would love to play, Mm -hmm. which often I struggle. I'm like, I have a clear choice. I want to play this person or there's no one I'd want to play. In Waitress, I want to play everyone. Yeah, you'd just be in it and be happy. I still have the joy of like the, you know, in the dark, dark chocolate pie Mm -hmm. and the great bit with the British are coming. The British are coming. Yep. You know, it's a show that is tragic, heartbreaking, will bring you to tears, but will also make you howl with laughter. Mm-hmm. and I I adore it and it has the best curtain in theatre the safety curtain it has the, the best safety curtain yeah my eighth is live it's a show that we covered in 2020 like Chicago that I was desperate to see and when we did see it didn't disappoint Singing in the Rain. Uh, okay. Yeah, fair enough. Because it kept all the best bits mm-hmm. of the film. And added more good bits. And added more. So, like, the fact that they had the project come down and we were watching the movies and you still had the yes, 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 no, 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 mm-hmm. was fantastic. There was rain. It actually rained. Yep. And you had him singing in the rain and he was kicking the water <laughs> over people. And... You know, the make them laugh sequence, just seeing all these things I loved on stage in front of me Mm -hmm. was brilliant. And I think the cast were great. And yeah, it was exactly the same. But it was just like Singing in the Rain was one of those in 2020 that I adored. And it became the most watched musical whilst we were doing, you know, since the show. It's the show I watched the most. Yeah. So, yeah, seeing that live... It's like a huge bucket list moment for me. Singing in the Rain did not make it onto my top ten. It Was it ever close? No. We've seen so many good musicals this year and there's going to be loads on here that I'm like... There's some on here that I'm kicking myself that they're not in my top ten, but I can't do anything about it now. (laughs) Yeah. Is there anything about Singing in the Rain that kind of stops it from being higher ranking for you or nope just it's a really good musical literally just the quality speaks to the quality of what we've seen Mm -hmm. that's the thing because i'll give you some spoilers of things that like live things that haven't included in my top 10 because this is the quality of what we've seen this year nine to five Mm -hmm. isn't in my top 10 the osmonds isn't although i did like the osmonds everybody's talking about jamie didn't make mine didn't make mine but i much preferred it to the film anyone can whistle didn't make my one either footloose didn't make my one 
I had a great, I mean. It didn't make mine either. I need a hero Yeah, you nearly fell out of your chair. You know, um, Jersey Boys didn't Jersey make mine. Jersey Boys didn't make mine. I'm sure there's others there that haven't made mine that I'm not going to mention now. I want to give you some suspense as to what my <laughs> life theatres could be. But it's not a disservice to any of them because the quality of what we saw was so incredible. Mm-hmm. So it's very difficult. Over now to friend of the podcast, Anthony of Theatre Flashbacks at Theatre Flashback One, who again has given us a nice little audio message. Cool. Hey, Danny and Drew. Happy, happy Christmas to you both. Thank you so much uh, to It's a Musical podcast for a brilliant year. And I love listening to your podcast. I really enjoy the fact that you have a mix of musical films as well as live theatre. And uh, I always enjoy your review of the year. So I'm looking forward to hearing what you have to say. Um, There's been so many great episodes this year that it was impossible for me to pick one. So I picked a few, actually. I loved the Tick, Tick, Boom episode way, way back at at the start of the year. I thought it was brilliant. And of course, what a great film, which just even thinking about it now and talking about it, makes me want to watch it again. I loved your um, episode about Anything Goes. That was such a fantastic show, wasn't it? Um, I'm glad that it was on the television, so I recorded it and I'm able to revisit it regularly. Uh, I also loved your Thoroughly Modern Millie episode. I had been banging on about, hopefully we're going to do that one day, so... Yeah, that was great. I love that film. Carol Channing and uh, Julie Andrews, what more can you ask for? And actually, I was really interested in your recent episode, Holiday in the Bing Crosby film. Um, You definitely uh, made me realise I don't want to watch this film at all. Uh, I never have. Now I don't think I ever will. But I was really interested in what you had to say about it. So thank you for that. Um, I'm looking forward to the Disney Peter Pan when you get around to doing that. That is, I think, my favourite Disney film, animated uh, classic film anyway. Um, and my favourite episode that you've ever done was The Slipper and the Rose, which was last year, I think, uh, another classic musical uh, film. So thanks, guys. Have a brilliant Christmas. I'm looking forward to next year and seeing what shows you manage to get out and see. Uh, I know that you're going to be watching Matilda the movie soon. You're going to love it. It is fantastic. So to both of you, thank you and happy Christmas. That's so cool. I love that (laughs) we finally got to watch Thoroughly Modern Millie after months, I think, of putting it off and putting it off. We finally bought the movie and watched it. Yeah. And it didn't make my top 10. But it made my top 15. Yeah. Obviously, Slipper in the Rose from last year, that was my fourth best show. Mm -hmm. It's really great to see that people recognise that as a film because we hadn't heard about it until Ray told us about it. And you can listen to our... A conversation with Ray on it's your favourite musical podcast because neither of us knew that one and I'd love to see that adapted as a stage show. Yeah, I know same. we have so many Cinderellas, but that is 
possibly one of the best Cinderella's. Yeah, there's a couple of them we could get rid of and yeah. replace with Slipper and the Rose. Yeah. Um, that was really good. I am going to talk about a Julie Andrews adjacent. Oh, I, I'm not Higher on my list. But, I mean, I'm going to talk about a Julie Andrews and a Julie Andrews adjacent higher on my list. Thoroughly Modern Millie is so good. And that sequence in the lift, the tap dance the sequence tap dance to sequence. make the lift work is one of my favourite things, I think, in any musical ever. So The only thing that really has stopped it from ranking in the top 10 for me is just some of the representation yeah which is very much what that era of filmmaking included i'm mm. not making excuses for it we have to recognize when we watch movies of older eras there will be these things if that exact movie was made today that would be a top 10 I yeah think, for, for sure but i don't want them to remake it no 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 no, no. <laughs> obviously anything goes as well um a really good way to start the year mm-hmm. I, that feels like a really good seasonal like that feels like a christmas musical i know it's not christmasy but it's I a no right it's the sort of one you could sit and watch over the christmas period you know? it's one of those ones where it's like it's on tv yeah you just sit down and watch it because you've eaten so much food that but the sutton foster version that we saw was really good it's really good the bbc did like put it Aaron. out there mm-hmm. so that will take us nicely to our number sevens and What's yours? The reason I chose to put Tony's audio there, we were very lucky that we got to go see another musical from early in the run. Maybe the first musical that I watched, I was like, oh, I'm going to really enjoy this. Mm -hmm. And this was thanks to Tony who gave us tickets. And that was when we went to see My Fair Lady. Yes. It is on my list. It's much higher than this. Again, it just speaks to the quality of the things that are higher up for me mm-hmm. and the impact they've had for me. This production was just phenomenal. It was insane. The house on the turntable that was moving round and you could see... That's how they can do James and the Giant Peach. Yes. You can see background characters spit, like doing stuff in the background yeah. and just living their little lives. And like, oh, it was just all so well done. I mean, go back and listen to our episode. I think we just rave about it. But again, it like such a good show. Utterly phenomenal casting mm-hmm. with it. And for me, it was just like I said, with Singing in the Rain, seeing these set pieces that I loved mm-hmm. when we watched the, the film and just being like, oh, wow. Yeah. And seeing them done in front of me was amazing like the i'm getting married in the morning sequence was yeah great. the damn 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 yep it was brilliant. It's just such a good show ascot where you had like the surround sound of the horses mm-hmm. and the ascot sequence as a whole just was so so akin to the movie mm-hmm. my That's fair touring. lady for me is third okay so waitress is third for me and so we can skip our third choices mm-hmm. I, I want to see this again if the tour comes near to us. Yeah, same. I know that some things might get lost in translation because of tour, but... I don't know, care. It, <laughs> I want to see it again. It was an absolute brilliant day. And and when we went, we had a lot of travel issues because... Um, it the, was pride. It was pride, but also the trains weren't necessarily all running because of, like, rail works. Mm-hmm. And it was so worth going to. Like, it was so worth 
the hassle. Mm-hmm. It's just a brilliant day out. And, you know, we wouldn't have been able to see that if not for Tony. So thank you so much yeah, for it was those amazing. tickets. You know, we had an absolute blast and we love you for it. Yeah. Number seven for you then, what is it? Victor Victoria. Julie Andrews. Julie Andrews. I had to put this one here. Yeah. Because when we watched it for the podcast, I hadn't seen it in about 10 years. And re-watching it, I was like, oh my God, I forgot how good this movie is. I forgot how much I like this story. Yeah. And how in any other film, we'll compare it to Some Like It Hot, right? What she's doing would be completely ripped apart and made fun of and treated like something horrible. Yeah. But in this film, Julie Andrews is just like, yeah, dress like a dude. <laughs> You'll get used to it. This was one that I struggled with not including in my top 10 or top 15 and probably be like 17th or 18th. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. I think some of the connotations in it... You know, with like the character choices of who we're supposed to root for and, you know, like after he spies on her. Her horrible boyfriend, yeah. There's things like that. And I'm like, why does she want to be with him? There's a few of those things that just ultimately stop me from Mm -hmm. placing it higher. But Julie Andrews is so, so, so good in this. Mm -hmm. Like she carries this, absolutely. And some of the shots... And just, like, the general grotesqueness of some of these characters, like the man-eating the eclairs, you know. And I just really, really enjoyed it. And it was a really surprising one for me. Yeah. And I also know as well that there was a, you know, few students that we teach who actually had said that they'd never heard of this, but found it was a really affirming yeah. musical for them when they checked it out after listening to us. Well, and I want to be in this. Revive it in the West End. I will come and play Victor Victoria. And I will fully chop off all my hair to do it because yeah. I love that sequence where she gets her hair cut yeah. and she's like horrified. She's not sure about it. And then obviously it's gorgeous Julie Andrews. <laughs> like, it's fine. It's going to sound really bad. Mm. You've said that Julie Andrews features again and I, for the life of me, cannot. No, so this is my Julie Andrews. Oh, okay. Julie Andrews adjacent. Okay. Is my fair lady. Oh, and that's where it's going to go later. Got yeah. you. Right, I was going to say, because I didn't think we'd seen her again. Had I missed a a trick? No. Okay, so we're at number six. And Ray, formerly of Not Before Coffee, but now of the Being Bookish podcast, Mm -hmm. simply says six. Yeah, me too. (laughs) Yes. She put six in six. So did I. (laughs) Love that. I... Right, so mine is Tick, Tick, Boom. I know. <laughs> six was originally here, but I had to place it higher up. I had to put six in six. I, <laughs> ironically, Don't Lose Your Head is sixth on my Spotify wrapped. That's hilarious. And obviously this year we were fortunate enough to have a conversation with Millie O'Connell mm. of Six Fame. And also. And also The Share Show. Yeah. And Thoroughly Modern Millie. Yeah. You know, and everything but, else that we've seen, apparently. Um, tick, Tick, Boom. We've talked about Tick, Tick, Boom was my number six. I just, you know, blimey, we're not talking about any more movies, are we now? Nope. Cool. I mean, we also, this year, got to meet Toby Marlowe. Yes. And have just, that was just insane. Yeah, we met them outside of six. Mm-hmm. On our way in to Hampton Court to see six live at Hampton Court. Yeah, which I manifested. Yeah, you did. And that was just an insane feat because 
there is nothing cooler than that. I think that's why I ranked six higher in the end because of that as an experience. Six for me is fifth. Mm-hmm. So it's just just one above. That whole night out was magnificent. You know, you can go and listen to our episode on that, but I had said, has six ever been done at Hampton Court? They should do it at Hampton Court. That would be that would be amazing. I don't want to see six until it's done at Hampton Court. Knowing full well it never would be, and knowing full well that I'd probably end up caving and seeing it at Woking or seeing it in the West End. Mm-hmm. And then I saw the press release. I was like, we're going. And we had a nice little picnic before the show. We had some good seats. And just seeing it in that environment and seeing the original Queens, I wasn't sold on six going in. Yeah. Because I, I was kind of wanting some plot, but it's perfect. It's it's such a good show. The costume design, the lighting design. Now I've seen at Hampton Court, I can go see other places. Nice. And obviously it's had a very successful year, you know, with the Tonys. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that ranks above, you know, our ranking here. Yeah. That was my uh, my fifth best musical. Cool. So before we hear about your fifth best musical, again, we're going to go over to Instagram and we are going to hear from Daniel Robinson. Daniel.Robinson.5602781 said thought the first and last on your list were both excellent being west, west side story, story and, and matilda. matilda films and musicals can be very hit and miss but really enjoyed both west side story and matilda you didn't cover it but the leicester curve revival of billy Elliot was utterly superb hope it tours unfortunately we didn't get a chance to go up. We, we wanted to but you know Leicester's a bit of a tall order for us <laughs> yeah um i loved billy Elliot when we talked about it last year mm-hmm. and i'm desperate for that to tour because I think it looks great. Mm-hmm. West Side Story didn't make it for me. I think at this point it's fair to say it didn't make it for me and didn't make it for you. We both know that we've reached kind of the top where it's just live. Or yeah. It's not movies going forward. I really liked West Side Story. I very, very much enjoyed that movie. Yeah. And again, I cried in the cinema, but it's not... One that I would rewatch over and over again, I think. Spielberg did an absolute masterful job with this one. Mm-hmm. And it is a very strong film. Yes, in hindsight, there's issues with the casting that maybe some members of cast should have been dropped. But it obviously led as well to Oscar wins mm-hmm. for Ariana DeBose. Yep. She absolutely deserve that i think like you say though for me it's not one i could watch again and again it's very lame is for me that i i love it it's not one i can watch a lot of yeah because it's heavy Mm -hmm. my number five was six (laughs) what was your fifth we're in into the top tier now what was your fifth my fifth is unfortunate we went to the Edinburgh Fringe to see Unfortunate. That was one of the top shows that I was like, we have to see this because I was meant to see it about five years ago and I didn't get a chance to. Yeah. And it just was so funny. We got the chance to talk to Daniel Fox, which was really cool. I uh, follow him on TikTok and Instagram and he's just hilarious. And getting to talk... 
getting to talk to people about the shows that they've made is always really fun. You got squirted in the face by a phallic fish. Yep. <laughs> and also had Ursula, Ursula winked at me, so yep. I was happy. It was great. I like I say, I really did love Unfortunate and you know, to see some incredibly talented people. Like we got to see Miracle Chance again as well. Yeah. She was so good. <laughs> she was show. so good. I need that show to be on in the West End because it's so good. I want to take everybody that I know to see it. Well, I want to see like the full version as well because this was an abridged version. Exactly. And I want all of the songs on Spotify as well because We Didn't Make It to Disney is so funny. So good. Mm -hmm. But there's a few other ones like where the DR Mm -hmm. isn't on and I want it. The fact that Laurie likes this as well. You know, the because, queen of Disney herself. But that's the thing is, Disney is one of those things that for a lot of people is sacred. Mm-hmm. And some people can enjoy the parodies of it. Like, I don't think Laurie would like Twisted. Oh, I think she would. Okay. Twisted is one of those things that does really push the boundaries with some Disney stuff. And unfortunate gave me that. Mm-hmm. And the fact that Laurie came out of it laughing and enjoying it as well. I I want to see Unfortunate again. Yeah. The puppets are great. The story was great. The songs are great. Puppets were amazing. Yeah. Like. It was just really, it was just such a good show. And I need to see it again. And I need it to come to the to West End or off West End. I don't care. Just put it on somewhere near me so I can force everyone I know to go and see it. Okay. Please. So we're at number five. I had six. You had Unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Before we get into my number four and your number four, uh, Lousy T said, I would have to say Thoroughly Modern Millie. The crazy plot line, characters and sudden shift into an action movie really sealed the deal for me. I am a huge fan of Julie Andrews and I have both of her autobiographies. In Homework, she actually talks about the musical and says, I delighted in the familiar flat symbols, the soprano saxes and the spare wacky sound. Mary Tyler Moore and I became friends. I originally wondered if I should play her role in her mind. Some years later, seeing her in a supermarket, I yelled across the aisle, Miss Dorothy. She responded, Millie. We have never referred to each other as anything else. That's cute. Carol Channing was charmingly eccentric. She had very few films and serious problems with her vision. This contributed to her wide-eyed vulnerability. Carol confided in me that she was quite nervous about being on a film set. I closed a set for a second time in my life due to laughter. Universal Studios decided the film was going to be a box office bonanza, so refused to make any director's cuts. Which is some great insight that I didn't know. Mm-hmm. And Thoroughly Modern Millie was a really, really good show and a, a definite contender to be up there with other shows we've talked about. But my number four mm-hmm. also happens to be our top performing 2022 episode and our ninth best episode ever. I was going to try and guess what it is, but I don't know that I can. We went to see this for my birthday. That does not narrow it down for me. (laughs) And it's come back to the Turbine Theatre. But I'm a cheerleader to the musical. It's that low? It's fourth. (laughs) It's fourth. (laughs) But I'm a cheerleader is my number one. Seriously? Yeah. Okay. I'll let you talk about it, why it's your number one show. Because it's it's up there. Yeah. And again, the three that I have to talk about after this one 
rank higher for different reasons. Mm-hmm. I mean, we know that Waitress is my third. Yeah. I loved But I'm a Cheerleader. I think, obviously, this one has a much more personal meaning for you. Mm-hmm. However, being in such a small, intimate theatre, seeing a serious topic such as conversion therapy addressed in such a fun manner mm-hmm. but like also still very much raising awareness of what the issues are yeah with a truly talented cast i i really did have fun and the turbine theater is quite out of the way for us yeah it's not a slight on the theater because the theater itself is gorgeous i don't care we're going back <laughs> but that's the thing is i want to go back and see the show but it should be on the west end yeah like put it in the other palace mm-hmm. you know this should be on the West End. Why was it your number one show? But I'm a Cheerleader, the film, was the first movie I ever saw where I was like, oh, okay, it's okay to not be straight. Yeah. <laughs> because my general upbringing, I went to Catholic school, was not considered an okay thing to do. And I knew what conversion therapy was, and how completely terrifying that sounded. And for this film to take all of that and make it something that's so easy to talk about was so cool. So the fact that they then made it into a musical that has all of the best moments from that film, but makes it so that you get everybody's internal monologues, you get all of their actual feelings out on the stage, and also has just probably some of the funniest stuff as well. Hello, Megan. <laughs> the transition a... as well during the... Uh... Yeah, and how in between scenes they would do little cheer skits and to be like, scene number four. <laughs> and the multi-role was really good as it's well. It's really it? good. Like, you know, I really liked that. Yeah, it's just such, it's such a good show. And also they had one of the things that we talked about when we were in the theatre watching it was that, I mean, not while it was while people were performing it, obviously, yeah. but was that the scene where Megan and Graham get together for the first time isn't treated like some sleazy, oh, look at the lesbians kissing scene for once. It yeah. was so well done and it's so clearly meant for its audience. And the cast as well. Like, obviously we got to see Jodie Steele, mm-hmm. who was amazing. Who is the one that says, hello, Megan, yep. in my terrible, terrible Australian accent. Hers is way better than mine. Um, Aaron Teo, mm-hmm. who is cast in Wicked. Yeah, I'm you so know, excited for that. Alice Croft was brilliant in it as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's Me- Megan. Evie Rose Lane with as Graham. Mm-hmm. This was such a good show. I, I really do want to go see it again. It was it was brilliant. And it's a shame that there isn't a cast recording of it. Yeah. Because I would pay a lot of money to have the vinyl and the CD of it. Mm-hmm. That was my fourth. I'm sorry that it's not <laughs> number one. No, it's number one for me. Um, I will say this. You've already talked about my number one. My There's a bigger difference between my number one and where you placed it. Okay. Than this one here. Tara Kabash, hey. longtime friend and listener of the podcast, mm-hmm. says, I'm definitely between Tick Tick Boom and Six. Tick Tick Boom is so hard hitting and the casting was all perfect. It's truly a favourite of mine in general, not just a favourite you covered. The same goes for Six, though. 
I saw it pre-Broadway, then this year I, it, I went twice while it's been back in Boston on tour. And it's just such a fun show and every single cast of it is incredible. And I was torn with those two as well for very similar reasons. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Top three. So my, um, my third is Waitress and this is our second best performing 2022 episode. And it's the 10th highest episode we've ever released. You didn't ask me what my number four was. What was your number four? Chicago. You've talked about it already. When we saw it, I saw Chicago on Broadway before I saw the film. And, before, well, before I saw the film all the way through, I had seen bits. The film is, like, I tried to watch it a few times before watching It's kind of hard to get into. It is quite a hard one to watch. Especially because, like, so much of it is like, is this in her head? Is this real? Whereas with the stage show, it's all, I think, very clear what's going on. And having the orchestra on stage in the juror's box is just such a cool concept for me. The fact that it's also minimalistic, nothing changes with the set. I love that. Yeah. I just think it's so good. Centre of the mind. Yes. As we and say. Mr. Cellophane was great. Like, especially the bit where, and, and you know, he's like. With the leaning. I love You that. know, play me off. And, the and they just ignore him. <laughs> like, there's it's some really great comedy to it. Show. Yeah. So my number three, Waitress, our mm-hmm. 10th best performing episode ever we also got to speak with evie hoskins who we'd actually seen as dawn on Band. previously yeah. yeah you know nearly two years to the day so waitress ironically for third this was the third time i saw it i would say i had the best time watching this and it was the best way for us to spend valentine's day yeah. episode 99 ironically you know the episode that started the podcast like you say mm-hmm. there's not much more i can say about waitress that hasn't already been said it makes me sad that this still isn't on in the West End. Yeah. Because this is such a great show that a lot of people slept on because it just didn't have the same hype attached to it. And I think it does. Having watched the film as well, I think it does a really good job adapting the film. Yeah. And a film that has a really sad legacy. Mm-hmm. What was your third? We're, this My is, fellow lady, we talked about this one. We did talk about this one. Mm-hmm. This is where it gets really hard. Does it? Yeah, because we talked about, you know, 42 shows this year, 42 episodes, but obviously we're including two that we didn't release episodes on due to health and other issues. Before we go to number two, we are going to hear from Ellie Talks Theatre, mm-hmm. which is absolutely amazing YouTube channel as well. Go and check her out. Her content is brilliant. So she has said her best show of the year is this from your list of shows my favorite hands down was my sons are queer but what can you do i haven't been out as trans for that long in retrospect but seeing rob be completely and utterly themselves on that stage was everything to me it is rare that i am moved to tears that hard but i felt so seen and so validated even though this isn't a story about being trans just a story that happens to be about a trans person There is such a lack of our stories in these big spaces, but to see a West End theatre plastered with the face of a non-binary actor means more than I can possibly ever express. And the show itself, it's so moving, so funny, so perfectly performed by Rob, just selling every single moment. It was incredible from beginning to end. I completely agree with that. And we will talk about that show. Because it's definitely your number one. Yeah, it, it is my number one. Yeah. We'll talk about that show in a moment, but my number two. I felt really bad ranking this one so highly. 
Because we didn't go and watch a show. We didn't go and watch a show. We had the Spotify album. But this show has consumed me this year. <laughs> Three of my top Spotify songs come from this album it yes, has same. very quickly become something that when I'm down I listen to mm-hmm. I want it to come to London I signed a petition to get to go to Broadway the the writing team behind it are so kind and have engaged so brilliantly with us it's got Alex Brightman in as well mm-hmm. it's just a show I long to see done yep it's Goosebumps the musical that is also my number two I just love it and it's so good if you haven't listened to our episode on goosebumps the musical you need to go and listen to it we came across this musical in just the weirdest way yeah in that i was in the bath where and it popped up as an email on my phone and was like hey the soundtrack for goosebumps the musical is out now now I don't get theatre emails to my personal email address. No, because it didn't even go to the musicals, did it? It was... So I don't know where this email came from. I must have signed up for something and not remember doing it. It's so goosebumps though, isn't it? I mean... Yep, the ghost of the the theatre brought this to my phone because it thought I needed the attention. And, oh my God, I listened to the whole soundtrack in the bath. I got out of the bath and was like, Danny, you have to listen to this. This is amazing. It's such a good soundtrack. It's ridiculous. And I want to be in this show. So do (laughs) I, so badly. And like, this is the thing is, doing a Goosebumps musical, you've got so much to pick from, but then you've also got the perfect musical in Phantom of the Auditorium. Mm -hmm. And... That's encapsulated by the number one song on my Spotify playlist of the year is The Story of the Phantom. Yes. And you have Christina Alabado doing this amazing song that tells the story of the Phantom of the Opera with a few name changes. But it's so epic and it builds to this amazing climax where it's like, you know, um, and when he took his last breath, the Phantom welcomed his death. He'd rather die than live apart. And it has such... Great references to yeah. another version of the Phantom of the Opera that yes. shan't be named, but it just is. It does such a good job of encapsulating that story, and also being such a good Goosebumps story, right? Because it keeps all of the good stuff from Goosebumps books. Well, that's it. You have your opening number of Goosebumps being like. Mm-hmm. All these different Goosebumps references. You have R.L. Stein being Principal Stein in Who Done It, mm-hmm. which is one of my greatest songs because I just love the beat of you know. Yeah, it's so good. You've got like proper theatre kid songs that know what it is to be like a kid in school, desperate mm-hmm. to do a show with super scary play, being like, you you played Person Three and it was a life affirming role, you know, yeah. and just being desperate to see the cast list, but understudy buddy. buddy. <laughs> As well. It's Love that song. And then it culminates really, really well with my story being this really heartbreaking, sad okay. song. And I would love to see this live, like, more than anything. I already know that we, we will have an invite. I've got it <laughs> on good authority that we will have that invite to opening night in London. Uh-huh. But it's number two for a reason. Mm-hmm. I couldn't put it number one simply because I haven't seen it. I would have felt way too 
guilty about yeah, that. Same. But I don't feel guilty about having it rank so high because of how much this means to me. Mm-hmm. It's special. And like Jared said, to see more horror musicals, but also horror musicals that are aimed at maybe a younger age that are more accessible. When there was the whole point of Goosebumps, yeah. kids like to be scared sometimes, you know, and in a way that is completely safe and accessible. I also think it might be my favourite artwork you've done this year. It's what, the Phantom of the, the auditorium. auditorium, yeah. Okay, so... Number one. Number one. Before we talk about it, we are going to go over to our final uh, guest of the show. And we're going to go to friend of the podcast, Mickey Joe, who is going to talk about his favourite show of the year. Mm-hmm. And you can follow Mickey Joe on YouTube on Mickey Joe Theatre. Again, another great online theatre blog. Oh my god, hey, it's Mickey Joe Theatre here. Congratulations to both of you for an amazing year on the podcast. One of my favourite shows this year has been Rob Madge's beautiful one-person show, My Sons Are Queer, But What Can You Do? I was lucky enough to see this both at the Edinburgh Fringe, where it was one of my highlights there, and then again on its opening night at the Garrick Theatre in the West End, where I was so proud that this important and meaningful show was being given a platform in London's West End. I think my favourite thing about this show, as well as it being such a fantastic showcase of Rob Madge's charm and talent and the beautiful songs written by Rob and Pippa Cleary, is the way that it's such a personal and unique story about Rob's own background and amazing family and remarkable upbringing that transcends individuality and speaks so well to the entire queer community and makes something so impactful and so profound and so easily relatable to so many queer people. And that speaks to what theatre can be for me, which is both hugely entertaining and really important at the same time. I feel like Mickey Joe's done my job for me. Yeah, <laughs> selling why this show is my number one. But hilariously, it also is exactly why but I'm a cheerleader is my number one show. Yeah. It's the same thing. And it's, they're both shows that are going to mean so much to so many people. And it's like Ellie Talks Theatre said, having a non-binary person's face all over a West End theatre means so much. Like that is so important. Yeah. It's the same with But I'm a Cheerleader. It just, it's so nice to have these queer shows that are just so accessible nowadays. Well, that's the thing. And the fact that My Sons Are Queer is coming back to the Ambassador's Theatre mm. is huge. Yeah. I I sobbed all the way through it. We we actually queued from a little bit early when we saw Edinburgh. We were... Specifically so we could sit. We were in the front. In the front. And we were sobbing the entire time for a multitude of reasons. And we were so lucky as well to get to meet Rob Madge after the show and just thank them mm-hmm. you know there's a lot of personal things that both you and I have been on and this isn't the platform to talk about them because there's podcast life and there's personal lives this show hit our personal lives a lot yeah a lot there's so much humor to it but there's also a lot of sorrow to it and watching it this needs as big a platform as possible because so many people need it. Not just from the queer community. Everyone should see this to understand the struggles that the queer community face. Mm-hmm. And, you know, 
having this really interesting backdrop of our family videos and seeing things and their nan and their dad and their dad but the nan as well just being like who cares and like here's your bell dress yeah Yeah. you know and even the the admissions of their dad being like i got this wrong i thought this is what i was supposed to do Mm -hmm. and just you know it culminates at least the version we saw edinburgh fringe culminates with rob reading a tweet that their dad had posted online being like the biggest advocate Mm -hmm. it's what i want to be as a father yeah like if i am half the dad that rob madge's father is then i will consider myself to be successful the songs are great like you know um oh which one is it? it's the disney parade song anything is possible (laughs) i love that song it's so great like as a really good big opening number you know rob coming onto the stage getting everything ready you've got the pied piper Mm -hmm. song which is funny as well but then you also have we will be loved anyway, which is just heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. And as a teacher as well, you hear the story of like Rob's experiences at school with the teacher's feedback of like this really negative thing. I was saying that they should just go and play football and yeah. be normal. Like, and it's like, yeah, okay, because look at that. It broke my heart because how many kids aside from Rob were failed by that teacher? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think we've both done, and this isn't sound arrogant, I think we've both done a great job at supporting all students in our care. And we try to be big advocates for L- our LGBTQ plus students. And the fact that we have had students come to us with personal problems is a test. But that's your job. Yeah. You literally get paid <laughs> and, and <laughs> to that, do that. And that's <laughs> the thing. Like, it broke my heart. There were so many different points in this show that broke my heart because Rob had been failed Mm -hmm. on so many different occasions. But the one constant that was there was their family. Yeah. Who love them unconditionally. And I love them unconditionally. Mm -hmm. They are incredible. And I think similar to what Bottom A Cheerleader does, using this platform of theatre to spread this important message, you know, for for Rob Madge, it's representation. Mm -hmm. For But I'm A Cheerleader, it's the dangers of conversion therapy and the fact that they led this uh, petition against it when the government were U-turning. Yep. Yes, they well, did. The other thing with, obviously, but I'm a cheerleader, is that that show is about finding your community and finding a family when your family has let you down. Yes. Because, obviously, in that story, Megan is outed to herself by her parents which is the worst thing about it and their complete dismissal of how she might feel about any of the stuff that they're doing they fail her yeah as parents and they don't do their job and so she finds a family instead and that is a good thing and that in itself is also important it's because everyone always thinks that family is who you're born into no family is who you choose yeah we love a found family you know like you don't have to spend your time with your family and a lot of older generation forget that I think that they wonder why their kids don't want anything to do with them when they get older and they mm-hmm. realise that family isn't what ties you, it's, it's mutual respect and love. Yep. It just and the ending as well, like this great triumphant number where Rob finally puts on the Disney parade and has all the changes <laughs> into these amazing costumes yep. and they finally get their yellow bell, bell dress. dress. Love it. I just Oh, and the little home video with the puppet 
the little puppet stall. Oh, yeah, that's cute. It takes a lot to be that honest. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why this one ranks above, but I'm a cheerleader for me, because it can be incredibly lonely being the only person on that stage Mm -hmm. and being autobiographical and reliving this trauma, but also sharing some intimate details in your own life. And the fact that this has been done in such an engaging... Like, when we came out of Edinburgh Fringe, because the second night we were there before Unfortunate, this played before Unfortunate. So we saw people coming out again. Literally crying, Moved to tears. Mm -hmm. There was somebody who said to me, I need to be a better person. I finally understand what my daughter's been through. Mm -hmm. And that, for me, was like, right, okay, so this isn't just for the queer community. Everybody should see this to actually hear from somebody who's lived this experience. Yeah. And it was number one from the very first draft of this list. That's how I felt about Bottom yeah. Leader. It was it, That and Goosebumps and Waitress were the only ones that didn't swap around. Mm-hmm. Um, this was an incredibly difficult list to do. Um, I know that I would say what my, very, my least favourite show is of the year. And that would be Holiday Inn. Yep. <laughs> you know, that we will not be watching Second that Seconded. There's a reason why I put this one off for so long. <laughs> I love the fact that that's this episode's legacy, is it's put Tony off watching it. You're welcome. Here we are usually trying to get people to watch musicals yeah. and check them out themselves. Go and watch White Christmas <laughs> instead. Yeah. You You'll know, be fine. I, I genuinely love that that's the legacy of that episode, is, uh, you know, taking the DVD out of the play and being like, no, I'm not going to watch Smash this. Smash that, yeah. <laughs> Oh, I've had such a great time. So I tell you what, I got it completely wrong. Our top six weren't even similar. We had similar things. You know, six was up there. Mm -hmm. Right, so top six. We had both had six. Both had But I'm a Cheerleader. Mm -hmm. Both had Goosebumps. Okay. I was completely wrong with Tick, Tick, Boom, Waitress, and My Son's a Queer, but what can you do? Mm -hmm. Like, I thought those ones would would rank higher for you. But I... I know, and I wish I had put My Son's a Queer higher, but... It was 11th because everything else I was just, like, so conflicted about. Oh, no, I completely understand that. It's the same thing I had with Unfortunate, that mm-hmm. Unfortunate had to make my list. Oh, my God, I've just remembered when they snap the sea cucumber princess. <sighs> it was <laughs> the most absolute silence in this theatre. And then, what was her name? Kirsty? Kirsty the... Kirsty the sea cucumber princess is a cucumber that gets snapped in half. And, and when she got snapped in half, gasp. the whole audience, we were so upset. <laughs> we were so mad. <laughs> Love Kirsty. <laughs> that might be the best joke ever. It might be the best, yeah, like one of the best, like, builds. Okay, so this year, you've got your best musical is But I'm a Cheerleader. Mine is My Son's a Queer, But What Can You Do? Two shows we will be returning to seeing. Yeah. My best song of the year is absolutely, you know, the story of the Phantom. Mm -hmm. What would you say is maybe your best song of the year? It's going to be a song that's not from a show that we've watched this year. It's My Strongest Suit from Aida. It's not... (laughs) I don't know what Aida is. Yeah, so originally it was going to be a Disney cartoon. Yeah. It's music by Elton John and Tim Rice. Cool. And... It is basically, it got made into a stage show and there's this great song in it that I got reminded of at 
when I watched the Disney Live from the Royal Albert Hall performance. Oh, yeah, I saw that on your Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. And it has encapsulated my life. <laughs> this just this one song. It's such a bop, and it's literally just this ca- character being like, "I don't care if people say that I'm vapid and vain because I care more about how yeah. I look than what's inside my head," and it just makes me laugh. I'll tell you what song ranked highly for me that is from something we haven't covered this year Mm -hmm. is Drive. Yeah. Because the Percy Percy Jackson Jackson musical. Oh, we haven't watched that yet, but the soundtrack is amazing. Drive is up there for me. I think the other one that's up there is my... The Windless Minotaur. The Windless Minotaur (laughs) is in my top five. My Grand Plan is the one. Yeah, no. uh, That one I think was like sixth or seventh. No, seventh or eighth Mm -hmm. on my overall list. MVP of the year... You. Oh, thank you. <laughs> no, because I don't really talk about this on the show, but you do all of the editing. Yeah, so I'm to blame for the poor, poor audio quality. No, and you're in charge of our social media because you are very good at talking to people, and I am not. And you do a really good job with all of it. Aww. And you deserve some appreciation. I mean, I was more thinking like a theatre person, you know, like somebody we'd sin. Well, I'm singing. <laughs> I, I, you know, I was saying it tongue in cheek because I don't think it's possible. Like, no, it's not the amount of talent we've seen, and also the amount of conversations we've had with amazing people. This has been a really good year um, for, for musicals. What is your hope for 2023 in terms of the musicals we're going to see? Because we, we don't know. There's a lot of live theatre coming that we don't know we're going to see. We're going to try and get tickets to Groundhog Day, for instance. Mm-hmm. And we're going to try and see Annie when it tours. Yep. And Titanic the Musical, I'm desperate to see because I guarantee that will be the most weird musical I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Because how do you adapt that into a musical? Yeah. I am just looking forward to seeing more live shows now that we are well and truly back in the world of theatre. I'm looking forward to revisiting some shows. And I think this year is going to have to be the year of The Greatest Showman. Are we going to cover that as our... We're going to have confirming to. confirming to me that is our birthday episode? Oh, no, I don't want to watch it for my birthday. No, not for your birthday. I mean, like, for us hitting the third year of the podcast. Yeah, for sure. I think we're going to have to because we've been putting it off and putting it off. We both hate The Greatest Showman. Maybe <laughs> time maybe will have healed it. this wound. Yeah, um, maybe it'll be okay. what I hope 2023 brings. I want Wind in the Willows back on the West End. Me too! So that we can finally talk about Wind in the Willows. You know, like we can watch the pro shot. Uh, we could talk about the album like we did with Goosebumps. I want to see it in person Mm -hmm. again i think that's a perfect musical that's one i want to see come back yeah me too it should because it's a really good family musical and i don't think we're getting many of those at the moment we've got matilda in the west end charlie and truck factory on tour which i don't know if i showed you you did it looks great no no in the german version yeah of charlie and the chocolate factory they have a Veruca Salt doll Ugh. that the squirrels tear limb from limb. Oh, my days. They rip her arms and legs off and run off stage with her. And then Mr. Salt is like, oh, no, and walks off stage after her. And that looks horrifying. And I want to know if we're doing it in this one. Well, I also hope that we're going to have an episode on SpongeBob. 
Yeah, finally. Oh my gosh. That's that's touring. Hopefully we'll go see Shrek live. You know, I'd quite like to see that one live and in person. Mm-hmm. But yeah, for me, I want Wind in the Willows. Yeah. And I'd like Bedknobs and Broomsticks back on the West End. Or like actually making a West End debut. Mm-hmm. You know, I think. Wind in the Willows, I completely forgot about. But yes, that is one that I want. And Percy Jackson, please. Back. And Beetlejuice. So, you know, I'm and not, Goosebumps. I'm and... <laughs> not asking much. No, if I could have just one show come to the UK um, from abroad, it would be Beetlejuice. Mm-hmm. If I could have uh, one show revival, I'd want Wind in the Willows. And if I'd want like a brand new show debut that hasn't been on Broadway, I would want Goosebumps. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much to all of you for uh, being a part of our 2022. And thank you to everyone who contributed to this episode. Like it's so amazing to have your comments uh, part of this episode you know and to know your thoughts on the musicals we talk about so thank you to those people that got in touch with us and i wish you all a wonderful new year time to start that countdown we've done our 1098 and we'll see you in 2023 have a happy new year <laughs>